The Dow hit a record high. Moving steady. The economy. Oh, we got your back, Jack. Make a great plan, man. Oh, real McCoy, Troy. Our three cents for free. The options are big, Nick. You need to discuss much. You got the key, KC, in exit strategy. You're listening to Our Three Cents. Uh, I'm Troy Harmon, and I'm here with Nick Antonucci and Casey Smith, and we have a guest this time. You ready for this, guys? Let's go. We need somebody to carry us. It's time for a guest. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. So we've got with us Kenny Hall, who is a partner at Moore Ingram Johnson & Steel, a uh, law firm out of Marietta. And uh, Kenny works in their taxation and estate planning departments. Uh, Kenny's got his undergrad from University of Georgia. Big fan, right? Go dogs! There you go. That's and then, right. And then he I went, knew I liked Kenny. <laughs> then he went and got a master's degree from the. You you ready for this, Casey? University of Florida. Ooh, go dogs! I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Kelly, Kelly Lynn is is over here. Uh, yeah, Kelly Lynn's a, a grad from uh, University of Florida too. We excuse her and overlook <laughs> her during. Well, it's easy to overlook this year in football season, right? Um, he said he overlooks you. How do you feel about that? You want to edit him out? <laughs> yeah. Well, she will later, I'm sure. She usually just abuses me in various other ways. Um, Kenny, let's talk a little about what you run into. I mean, this is obviously a show that uh, we put together talking about exit planning and uh, you doing uh, estate work. Um, you know, some of the things that we run into when we start looking over folks' books, and quite often at a bad time, like after the fact, it's like, you know, we'll we'll see the lack of a buy-sell agreement or, uh, you know, s- stuff like that. But I'll, I'll leave it to you. And, and I think what's unique about Kenny's per- perspective is the three of us collectively, we tend to work with business owners along the way, right. help them kind of lay out the path of what needs to happen. Yep. But Kenny's hands-on with actually getting the deal closed. Correct. Making sure, you know, you know, you cross your T's, dot your I's type situations. So it'd be, it'd be great to hear what you see as the most common, you know, common mistakes or things that, that uh, individuals don't think about when it comes to actually closing of the deal. Yeah, and I think that's a, a great introduction um, as to, you know, ideally I'd like to be involved from a corporate attorney perspective as soon as possible, rather than just on the back end. Um, and there's a lot of things that um, we do you know, as corporate attorneys ahead of the transaction that can add significant value. Um, and, and one of the things really is if we're involved early enough, you know, ideally before there's a, a letter of intent or any kind of signed uh, understanding of the parties, um, you know, we can start to make sure that the corporate records are maintained and well-kept um, that we're kind of moving, uh, having the proper documentation um, to transition, you know, from a uh, executive team uh, perspective and, and making sure that the right folks are locked up um, and they're taken, taken care of um, in the corporate documentation um, as opposed to, you know, hopefully not just on the back end. Um, yeah, I think that's a great, a great point, uh, you know, right off the bat is having, if you have an attorney already, you know, making sure that they are involved and in, in the loop of what's going on. And it's not just this afterthought where you, you bring it to them and here, oh, here's, you know, here's what I intend to happen. Well, they can 
obviously assist you along the way, coaching you on the things that need to be done prior. So you mentioned uh, lockups. Uh, I mean, is this just to keep the the uh, group in place for for the uh, selling company? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, executive compensation to make sure that well, first that you have the right team in place. Um, sure. You know, the buyers are going to want to see. Um, you know, in terms of the transition, the team that's that's going to be carrying the the load as far as um, the executive team after you know post transaction sure so they're going to want to see the right folks are, are there and in place um, as well as um, you know how you compensate them whether it's going to be a through a phantom stock or some type of bonus structure um, making sure that all parties are, are kind of on board beforehand. incentivized in some way exactly and yeah. if that is the intent you know that the owner and the executive are on the same page as far as what that's going to look like and what that's going to be. Yeah, I would imagine a buyer kind of buying a uh, buying something blind if if uh, they didn't have some sort of uh, assurance that things were going to continue to perform as they had in the past. Right. And you don't want the executives to be able to walk away and become your competition immediately, right? Yeah, and oftentimes, I mean, the buyers will tend to create their own, you know, engage the executives in their own agreements on the back end, um, but it does give them some comfort that these people are here to stay. They intend to, to stay with the company. Um, and they are they are not surprised when the executive or the owner comes to the buyer and says, oh, hey, by the way, we've got this key executive. We want to compensate him this way. Um, so it, it makes everybody um, have that understanding up front. Sure. Uh, how frequent is it that you run across a situation? I mean, is when you get involved, uh, this might be one of the things that you immediately look for, but uh, is it 50% of the time it's not there or more frequently than that? Um, I'd say, well, probably more frequently because uh, often what we see is there's a kind of handshake deal uh, uh. between the executive and the <laughs> and the owner. Um, and that kind of goes back to the um, a, a, an overarching theme, uh, which is making sure that the documentation is in place and represents, you know, the um, the understanding of all the parties um, as early as possible when you're heading into a transaction, especially. Um, so it, it does happen quite a bit that there's not anything established in writing. Yeah, yeah you, you bring up an interesting point about um, the documentation and having those things in place well ahead of an exit or a planned exit. Uh, is it? Do you find very often that, that you are brought into the engagement early enough, or is it most of the time kind of scrambling around trying to put these <laughs> things in place at the last minute? Yeah, well, the answer is always uh, we're never brought in early enough, yeah. you know. Um, you know, one, one thing uh, along those lines is, again, um, another documentation that's often overlooked, um, especially in the context of, you know, if there are minority owners, um, and we had this happen uh, a couple years ago in a transaction, um, you know, having a, a shareholder agreement in place or um, whether it's a, if it's a corporation, a shareholder agreement or uh, the proper language in an operating agreement for a limited liability company, um, but making sure that you have the, the drag-along rights um, or the buy-sell language to, um, so that you can kind of lock up the minority owners um, as opposed to what we experienced was um, everyone thought that the minority owners were, were fine to go along and they were going along until the 10th hour 
you know, on the eve of the closing, they, they came back or one minority owner in particular came back, um, had their own, engaged their own counsel. And that counsel had a bunch of questions and revisions and all the documentation. And um, so then we're, you know, at, at the last minute going back and re-explaining and, and going back through the process again. Wow. So that's, you say drag along. I assume uh, the the individual with the controlling interest in the business is the one that generally is going to be making the decision, right, to sell, sell or buy or whatever. Right. Uh, and the drag along is just that the minority partners have very minimal say. Right. And, they and, effectively agree in that governing document that if the if there's a sale or if there's a proposed sale, then they will agree to go along with the sale, and there can be certain. Um, provisions that govern when that is triggered, you know, evaluation or um, some of those types of rights. Sure. Um, but generally, yeah, that's... Yeah. How, how frequently is it that you run across a situation where the controlling partner might be the only one privy to the to the potential deal and then going back and trying to get documentation in place is basically uh, their declaration to their lesser partners <laughs> that, uh, hey, something big's about to happen. Right. And that's, that's again, where it... it the earlier, the better, um, because, you know, there are instances where you don't want to kind of trip that alarm. Sure. Um, but, yeah, the, the sooner, the better. Um, if you can have that in place before a transaction, um, then that's even, you know, that's ideal. And, and those types of agreements, you, know, you really want to have that in place in, you know, the organizational documents, whether it's a buy, um, whether it's a um, the bylaws of a corporation with a shareholder agreement or the operating agreement of a, of a limited liability company. Yeah, uh, hearkening back just for a minute to the to the issue where you've got a couple of guys with a handshake deal, uh, you try to lock it up in a legal uh, matter that might hold up in court. Uh, do you ever get folks that uh, where, where the manager who was willing to go along all of a sudden starts bucking a little bit? <laughs> Every now and then. Uh, luckily, you know, that's pretty rare um, yeah. from my experience um, if you have that agreement already in place yeah. um, and again it's that goes back to why it's so important um, because if you have that understanding of the parties initially before there's an agreement and then obviously the the later in the transaction to your earlier question um, about you know if you don't have it in place and now you have this potential transaction it, it might give the minority owner a little more leverage in terms of negotiation if they're kind of tipped off to that. Right. So the earlier you can have that understanding your meeting of the minds, uh, the better, and especially if you can do it before there's a potential transaction. So everybody is in agreement as to what it's going to what it's going to look like. Um, you know, before there's numbers involved. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying is kind of hearkening uh, back to sort of the theme of, of this podcast, which is that exit planning is just good business strategy, right? So right. Having, having these things in place and uh, documents that kind of outline the plan of action in the case of the, you know, the five D's that we always talk about um, is, is a, a very good way to just have your business structured, even if you're not considering an exit right now. And we constantly talk about, you know, making sure you have proper documentation uh, in place, uh, you know, as early as possible. Have you re reviewed, you know, corporate documents, things like that? Um, we tend to deal with much smaller businesses more often than not. And in our experience, a lot of times these businesses were started, you know, 15, 20 years ago. It was almost, while there is documentation, it seems a bit informal and not necessarily specific enough to the nature of the business. How often do you run into situations like that where corporate documentation is lacking significantly? 
Um, unfortunately, that's very common, um, and especially you know with family businesses. And and it kind of goes back to I mean, you know why these companies often don't have even organizational documents like operating agreements in place, or if they have them, it's, you know, something they pulled off the internet. Exactly. That's what um, we see. It's like cookie cutter type right. stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it makes sense because oftentimes in those situations, especially, you know, with family, um, it's either, you know, family context or, you know, a couple of partners that have known each other for years and, you know, everything's going great, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be going into business together. Um, and they just don't think about, you know, what happens if this happens or, you know, these, sure. these scenarios. Never think of the downside. Exactly. Um, and so that's why, you know, it's so critical to have the documentation up front. Um, and it is very common, you know, from, from what we see as well, you know, closely held businesses uh, tend to, you know, not have the adequate documentation that they need or not have the provisions to fully address those potential issues. Sure. And I I think even as the businesses grow, it tends to be an afterthought you don't ever think to revisit documentation like that. Again, it's the mindset. Things are going good. I don't need to think about, you know, any of this stuff in in the past. It's there if I need it. Um, And and you're just assuming that it's still pertinent to to the business despite the growth. Quite often we'll see that those businesses haven't had, you know, board meetings or might not even have a board or, you know, those important kind of things. How I mean, I say it's important. You tell me how important is it and how frequent and I mean, should these businesses, if arranged in a certain way, be meeting frequently to talk about? Uh, the the legal issues within the firm? Yeah, uh, it's extremely important. And the reality is, I mean, they are. Um, they're just not documenting it. Right. right. Um, Probably and, on a daily basis, maybe more frequently <laughs> right. than, the, you know, a quarterly thing, exactly. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, that's one of the things that we, that we do. Um, you know, if, when we get involved in a transaction, it, it's from a due diligence perspective, um, the more, the earlier we can get involved and the better documentation we can present during that due diligence process, you know, the more it helps the seller and, and increases their value. Yeah, so that, that's a, a, a great lead in there is how, how much of an effect can a lack of that sort of documentation have, um, you know, from a buyer's perspective, is that detrimental to the possibility of a deal going through or the value? Um, or is it typically one of those situations where, all right, you haven't kept documentation of any sort of meeting, um, but it's that's not really a hiccup to the, to the buyer? Yeah, I think it depends on the documentation. Um, you know, having a, an S-Corp election, uh, that type of documentation can postpone or uh, fold a transaction. Um, other documentation, it's more of a confidence level, I think, from the buyer's perspective. Um, so, you know, if they're stepping into a company, and, and you probably see this a lot on the financial side as well, you know, if a buyer's looking at, you know, they're asking for every document from the beginning of existence from this company, and if there's nothing to provide in terms of minutes or operating agreement or um, those types of formality documents, um, then they're going to have less confidence that the business has been run properly sure. and that the, the business has demonstrated those types of formalities as well. I think it's important to hear that from your perspective because we've talked a lot about maintaining good financials, maintaining good corporate documentation, and it's far too often that we actually experience um, you know, a total lack of, of either of those things. Right. Um, so, you know, for those of you listening, you, you can understand the importance of it. It can make or break a deal. Yeah. yeah Everybody's like that is, is uh, part of what we talk about when we're consulting with business owners about how to enhance the value of their business. Sure. Just doing simple things like keeping minutes at board meetings and having clean financials and things like that 
or just small minor things that you can do to really enhance the value of the business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got an accountant. I've never ran into a business that didn't have an accountant, but quite a few don't talk with an attorney frequently or, you know, have anybody that they consider their own counsel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that does always kind of. And I think there's this thought of they don't want to incur the cost, right? That's exactly what it is. The value provided in that, I think, is is very yeah, worth, justifiable, worth more than the cost. Yeah, well, and that's a a, a great point because it's I think it's a mindset, and, and one reason why you oftentimes don't see, especially you know, lower mid market or smaller companies with the formalities in place, the legal documentation in place, is because they see it as well. For one, they may just not think about it at all because right. they're busy trying to grow a business and run a business, um, and you actually end up seeing it you know, with larger companies even on the back end, because to your earlier point, they just have never thought about it. And and they're just focused solely on growing the business. And now they have a successful business where there is potentially more liability, um, but because they've never thought about it. Um, but really the mindset should be, you know, this is a, an investment. You know, it's, it is an upfront cost to make sure that all these things are, are taken care of but it saves you thousands or millions of dollars on the back end because really the the goal is to address issues that the businesses aren't really considering and have a meeting of the minds beforehand so that those companies don't have to go through the hassle um, and the cost of addressing them after the fact. Sure. Sounds good. Kenny, anything else you want to add? No. Appreciate okay. it, guys. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thank you. So uh, where could somebody get in touch with you if they wanted to call you? Um, well, my phone number is yeah. 678-784-2848. All right. And my email address, kdhall, H-A-L-L, at com. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll uh, uh, look forward to maybe talking to you some more in the future. Definitely. Appreciate Thank you, it. Kenny. Uh, if you have questions for us at uh, Hensler Financial, you can always reach out. 770-429-9166 is the way you can get us, or you can look online at Hensler.com, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. And I believe that pretty much wraps our show, and uh, we'll catch you next time. You just need to come in, chance. Make a great plan, man. A real McCoy and Troy. Our three cents for free. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.